You're listening to The Footy Fix with your host, Ben Batella. Batella, 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 On today's special episode recapping the UEFA Champions League, we have Adam Bazana and Marco Vicioso, both Italian, both ready to talk some smack about Juve. I'm not you, Baz, but Mark has definitely got those insults lined up and ready to go. Gentlemen, how are we feeling today and how do we like the matchups? How do we like the matchups? Well, I mean, I feel like for me and you, I can feel like speak and say we didn't act exactly enjoy them just because of what happened to Juve. Um, but I have to say, like, interesting overall. You know, the Sevilla Dortmund game I thought was um, very entertaining, a great game to watch. Uh, obviously, the PSG Barca game also another very entertaining, great game to watch. I thought all of them were personally, except for the Juve games. I just I couldn't watch that one. You know, it was a lot. But I really enjoyed all the soccer and all the football that went on during these like these four matches. I thought they were all great matches, and you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, what happened to Juve, but. How it goes yeah, sometimes. They were, they were. Mark, how did you like it? I'm sure you loved seeing Juve lose. Well, you know, there's there's a couple things in life that you gotta love to see. One of them is obviously Christmas morning. You get to open the gifts, you see the presents, see the family. Yeah. And the second is another Juve Champions League disaster. And that's <laughs> what you get every year. You get around the same time, you hear the Juve fans. This is the year. You know what I mean? Ronaldo come to save us, but I've seen time and time again. I'll get into it later, but this isn't the first time. And although I didn't predict the Juve loss, I wasn't surprised by the uh, what, what, what the outcome was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fair to say. So since we're talking so much about the Bianconeri, let's focus on their defeat. They lost to Porto 2-1 to in Portugal. So Baz, we got on that one, man. What are you thinking about that? Only saving grace from this game is the fact that we have an away goal. That's what I'm taking away from this. Like, really, the game itself was not a good game at all. Uh, you they played absolutely terribly. That first goal, I don't know what Benton Kour was doing. Like, that pass, I wouldn't make that, right? And, like, I'm just a normal person. But that's me, I guess. I'm not a professional footballer getting paid to make decisions not like that. Um, and Chesney very rightly pissed off at him and very angry at him. And then even the second goal, like, I don't know what it was. There's probably six Juve players in that box and Marega's got three feet of space around him every way. Like, how do you allow a player to be that wide open in the box when there's that many of your defenders in there too? Like, it's just terrible miscommunication from Juve there. Let him wide open. He may as well have ran the ball into the goal, like how close he could have got to take that shot on Chesney. I couldn't believe it. And so you see the only saving grace was that Chiesa goal. Like the fact that we're coming back with a one away goal, thank God. Thank God, really, because otherwise it would be a lot more dire of a situation coming back to you on 2-0. No, you need another Ronaldo miracle. Not yeah. to say that's not going to happen. I mean, if you can do it against Atletico, I feel like you can do it against Porto. But having that one goal is going to make it a lot easier because then you don't want to see it, but we can win a 1-0 game. And knowing that Juve, generally speaking, our defense is our savior. So kind of out of character for us to have those two easy goals. But only saving grace is we can take a 1-0 victory at home and we'll still get through. Yeah, I, uh, I fully agree with everything you've said. And my, my main issue is, you're right, what, what the hell was Bentancourt thinking? What was he thinking? Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. Marega literally had three feet radius of space in the box. And both of those goals happened within the opening minutes of the halves, which mm-hmm. is seriously troubling. And mm-hmm. I, when I was watching the game, I heard the announcers say that it was Chesney's fault, the first goal. Chesney shouldn't have made that pass. 
watching it again, it's a pretty standard pass to Bentoncourt. It's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, too difficult to handle. It's not threatening in any way. It's just a pass. They're just playing within their box. And Bentoncourt fell asleep. That was when he, he, he fell asleep in the tunnel on the way out to the field. And he, and he continued to lie in his deep slumber for the full 90 minutes. I don't understand why you do that pass and why it's so nonchalant, why you're just rolling it back to Chesney. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Juve, to me, there was no threat today. Ronaldo played like dirt. Marata played terrible when he came on. Kulisevsky was – Kulisevsky doesn't give the ball up early enough. They were unprepared. Pirlo was outcoached. The team was outplayed. Where were the substitutions? A complete collapse. Uh, and there, and to be quite frank, to be, to be frank with you, they're lucky this wasn't against a PSG or a Bayern or a mm-hmm. Bar- even a Barcelona would have scored four goals on this Juve team today. They're lucky 100%. it was Porto. They're lucky they got the away goal. Yeah, they're, they're lucky. They're lucky they got the away goal today. I'll be 100 yeah, percent honest 100%, with that. 100%. When they got that, there's a little bit of hope. I totally agree with you. And when Ronaldo's on your team, if there's anybody to come back from a one, two, three goal deficit, it's going to be Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. But they are damn. They are lucky they faced Porto today because yeah. this could have been a disaster, a complete disaster. Mark, what you got on this one, man? Well, I think the main problem is like we're we can blame Bentacor for the pass. You know, it was a bad pass. We're gonna mm-hmm. we're, not, we're we're not, but like we're not gonna go into depth because like oh, Bentacor's pass. If that didn't happen, that wouldn't have. Cha- it obviously changed the game since it was so early on. And yeah, you gotta mm-hmm. give credence to that. That Pirlo probably came in with a game plan, but at the end of the day. The mid, even the midfield of Porto was like on the same level, if not better, than the Juventus midfield. Yeah, when are we yeah. going to start addressing the Juventus midfield? We already and have. That's not even top five in Serie A, maybe not even top 10. So when you go into these big Champions League games and you have a guy like Weston McKinney, good player for you guys this season, or you have a guy, but ultimately doesn't have the quality or the capability or the range of pass to try and open up a defense and get you. Slip in the Ronaldo, slip in the Kulisevskis, the Marata, and give them that service. So at the end of the day, you're looking at a Ramsey, a Rabio, a Bentancourt, and these are okay players, but not as a unit, not as a group. And I think we'll get into later, like I'm, I know this is a Ben's footy fix, but obviously Ronaldo has to shoulder a lot of the blame as well because Ronaldo being 36, you know, it's an advanced age. I'm not going to lie. You know, it's tough to do these things at this age, unless you're Ebra, but you know, I'm joking. I'm joking. It was a joke. <laughs> but I'm saying it's obviously tough to carry a team in the Champions League to do this. But at the end of the day, you expect to see more than three dribble attempts. You expect to see more of a threat, more of a more of an attacking presence, trying to get people involved. Because sometimes Ronaldo felt like, when you look at his body language, sometimes it's like he knows that Juventus needs him otherwise it may not even get it and he was happy that Chiesa scored because without Chiesa Chiesa I have this right here Chiesa scored the first goal outside of Ronaldo so you guys are in Champions League knockout stages only Mm -hmm. Ronaldo had scored for you since 2018 yeah and Mm -hmm. Chiesa finally broke that open and Chiesa doing that is the only reason why you guys even have a shot yeah. Going into the second leg, 100%. nobody nobody's arguing that Mark and and to to go on Ronaldo's bad performance, overall it was a bad performance. But and you're right, the body language, he was, yes, he did play bad. But when when Juventus play like this, when they're so when they're lacking all the creativity they need to make chances, Ronaldo has to sink back halfway down the field. I was showing my dad this in the game. You look at the the offensive half for Juventus, Ronaldo's 
favorite place when Juventus has the ball and they're just playing around with it, doing God knows what, his favorite place is sitting right alongside the back line of the opposing team. That's his place. He can make the runs into the box. He makes the runs wide. The whole second half of that game, he was looming up near the center circle just to get touches on the ball because the midfield and the defense were just playing around with it in the neutral zone. That's And that is definitely a huge reason why he didn't do anything today. It's a huge reason why. He's not a facilitator of the ball. He never really was. And if he's going to all of a sudden start playing that position at 36 years old in the second half of a game where they're losing 2-0 to Porto, he's not going to magically become the best playmaker in the world. He has to. It was ridiculous. And that's, that's part of the reason why he played bad. He wasn't playing his natural position. He had to sink back. And in terms of the body language, it's, uh, it's, it's ridiculous to me that on the field that he seemed like one of the only guys for Juventus that wanted to win that had the hunger that was rushing. He was, he was putting pressure on the goalie, forcing the Porto keeper to swing it out wide and dangerous ball. And nobody was there. And you heard him yelling because there's no fans in the stands, but you heard him yelling. And that happened on multiple occasions where he was the only one pressing the Porto team, despite Juventus being down. The mentality of this team is completely wrong. And to the midfield, McKinney is not your world-class midfielder, but he's been playing fantastic this year for Juventus. Arthur is not your world-class midfielder yet, but he's been playing pretty well. So as a unit, those two guys play well together. But in terms of alone, McKinney was all over the place today. He, he looked like he didn't know how to play soccer. He was just running around. Just looked like a, an, an athletic guy running around a soccer field. And in terms of Rabio, way to show up for five minutes of the game in the last five minutes of the game. Doesn't make any sense to me. Benton course yeah. sucks. But what are you saying, Baz? He had a bicycle attempt in like the 27th minute, so he was there for that too. There's that one, yeah. So <laughs> six, six and a half, five and a half minutes total of playing time for that for that midfield. But you're completely right. Nobody <laughs> in this midfield wants to step up and be that guy. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to be the leader, and it's embarrassing that all this past decade the midfields for Juventus were fantastic. Pirlo mm-hmm. Vidal, Pogba, Marquisio, wow, right? Marquisio, Pogba, still amazing. And then you get to this era where they bring in the Ronaldo, but they have no supporting cast. There's no supporting cast. There's no drive. There's no identity. Pirlo has no no starting formation. He has no subs, ready subs that he brings on at 60 minutes or 70 minutes. He has no idea. And that was that's what really bothered me, is that you're losing a game and you're not making any subs, despite Porto across just, what, 10, 15 meters down the pitch? The guy's with the clipboard and he's like, okay, do this. He's putting in a central defensive midfielder for a striker just to play more defensive. He's got a plan. And Pirlo had no idea. And this doesn't result, this doesn't fall on Pirlo, but you got to do something. You have to be proactive instead of reactive to the situation and make subs earlier. I will say just, uh, I did completely agree with everything you said, Mark. Like our midfield is in shambles right now. And Ronaldo didn't play good. To his credit, I will say, that I love that he plays to the end, though. Like, you see the 93rd minute, 94th minute, he's still out there and should have arguably gotten a penalty. I don't know your thoughts on that, Mark. I thought, Ronaldo, I thought that was a beautiful touch. He had that ball. That ball wasn't going away from him. That was in his control. He was about to stop, set back, and kick. And then the Porto player, I can't remember who it was, comes crashing into him and pushes him over. In my eyes, that's a beautiful touch, you know. And if that's, like, a Neymar, like Messi, someone Brazilian, or someone like that who's big got all this flair around their game they're making that touch that's on tsn that's on espn that's on every major thing but ronaldo makes a beautiful touch like that we don't say anything about it right which like fair but i completely think that that should have been a penalty and i love that he plays to the end of the game and i just wish 
that the other Juve players, like you said, Ben, I wish they would share Ronaldo's mentality. Yeah, that, that that's, a, that's a penalty 99% of the time. 99% of the time, that's a penalty. See, I, I don't know. Mark should be though. Mark, Mark you, shake, you shake your head. Show me. Tell me how this is. Tell me how the... <laughs> Tell me how the penalty against against PSG in Barcelona in that game. That tell me how that's a penalty and this one isn't. Ronaldo touches the ball. He's going this way. The defender's going the opposite direction. He runs right into him as Ronaldo's making his run back to the ball, like Baz said, with a beautiful touch, ready to fire, and he takes him out. Especially in 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 2021 when VAR calls penalty calls penalties for much worse things. For things that are so soft and cheeky handballs and nothing. And that isn't a penalty. That semi-body check isn't a penalty. You've got to be kidding me here. That's not a penalty, Mark. I, I I'm going to disagree with that. I, I think when you're saying, I get the touch. And you know what? It was a good touch. But also you look at it and Ronaldo didn't do the ref many favors by falling over before even the contact had happened. Which was also what led to the referee sort of not calling that, that play. Also... You're in the 93rd minute, and you got to look at it from the perspective of the ref. If I'm telling, if I'm looking at you, the ref calls it. The ref calls it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't be disagreeing, but like also, I think in soccer that even though he was trying to go to the ball, at the end of the day, Ronaldo did go down a bit easily. You know what I mean? So, and the ref calls that in the 94th minute, you completely shape up the tie of the next leg. You know what I mean? Yeah, you he do. He has so much riding on his shoulders and i'm pretty sure these guys have a meeting like you know what i mean uefa has a meeting with the referees they saw the psg barca game they saw that that penalty was iffy so they're trying to say maybe they're trying to go if it's not a penalty and you don't clearly think it don't call it you know and okay. italy has different var england has different var but when you look at in champions league you got european refs you got who, who was the ref of today's game? Was he? Uh, he was. He was Spanish. Spanish guy. He was, a Spanish he, he was a good ref. He 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 actually. I liked him because he let the game go. He played a lot of perfect advantages. He he could have given a few more yellows, in my opinion, because there were some harsh tackles. But for the most part, he just let the the, the flow of the game go. But that was his one fault. It doesn't matter if it's in the ninety third minute or the opening minute of play or right smack dab on forty five. A penalty is a penalty, no matter when it is, and that. I get, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to put money down if that exact thing, that exact play happened in like minute 75, they would have called it. They would have called it. And for some reason, like you said, maybe it's in their heads. Maybe UEFA did have a discussion after that terrible call against PSG. Maybe that happened. But regardless of if it happened or not, that is a penalty. And, and to think that he didn't even go to VAR, he just stood there, said no, and called the game. There should have been more added, uh, uh, more added a minute or so after that because of the delays. But you have to go to VAR. You have to go there. He's in his ear. The guys are telling him, let's take a look at that. And he says, no, end the game. Because it is his decision in the end. But you have to go to VAR for that. And then if you deem it's not a penalty, I'll cut you a little bit of slack. But to, in my eyes, that's a clear penalty. And I'll remove my bias. That's a penalty. Interesting. Moving on to Dortmund versus Sevilla. Dortmund win 3-2 in Sevilla. Haaland played absolutely ridiculous today, scoring two goals and one assist. Adam, what are you saying about this one, buddy? I think we have ourselves a new Ronaldo in terms of a Champions League dominance type of player. That's Erlen Haaland's 14th goal in his 18th Champions League game. Um, and if you watch that game too, it wasn't like he was trying to stop that too. Like this guy had shots on target. He has no off switch. It is ridiculous. Yeah. And 
both of those goals, like that first one, uh, A, his pass to Dahoud, that was a great pass. And then Dahoud, just a beautiful shot from outside of the box, curled it right around the goalie. Uh, the second one, that chip from Sancho, great. I think personally that the Sevilla keeper could have been a little more aggressive there. Um, I think he was a little late coming out to meet Holland, and that's why Holland was able to slip it through his legs there. But you cannot discredit that was a beautiful little dink by Sancho just over the top for Holland to run oh, onto. Yeah. Yeah. And then who was it? Which Sevilla center back was it that just basically gave the ball to Marco Royce there for that last one, a three-on-one counter attack? Like, Carlos. Yeah, I think it, I think it may have been Diego Carlos. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, like they just gave the ball away in a three-on-one situation like that with Royce, Sancho, and Holland. Like, come on. You the second you saw that ball turn around and those yeah. three come in on a counterattack, I was like, okay, three one. It's over. It's um, over. Credit to Sevilla though for like still fighting to the end there, and I mean that De Jong goal is very well works that piece too. So mm-hmm. honestly, I would say this is probably like the closest, the most exciting tie where it could really go either way in both high scoring teams too. So I mean, you love to see it. Totally agree with you there. I, I honestly thought that Sevilla were gonna we're gonna take this one away from Dortmund simply because Dortmund have been abysmal in the Bundesliga. But um, it's a you know, this is a fantastic turnaround for for Barusa. It's a fantastic game, and it's you got everything. You got exactly what you wanted out of it. You got Holland mm-hmm. on the board. You got Sancho, Royce, Daoud heavily involved in the game. You have the lead. You have the three away goals. So it's it's an important win, and and I think there's a lot of they're gonna. It, it's a good it's a good score line to go back to Dortmund with because they very easily, like you said, it's probably the most entertaining matchups so that we've seen so far and Dortmund this is really all they got they don't have the Bundesliga this year so mm-hmm. they can make I think that you know we're, we're looking at we always have one dark horse in the Champions League and with the teams that were given this year the Bayerns the cities the Real Madrid's the whoever Dortmund if they make it to the quarters they might be that dark horse team depending if if Porto actually beat Juventus but no, they're they're a good team. I thought it was a it was a great performance and, and a really good bounce back for sure. Yeah, for me personally, like, well, first off, I've got to shout out my boy Suzo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ex <laughs> players representing, you know, getting ah, that was a goal. goal. That was a good goal. I was pretty excited for Suzo. You know, I not he was a good player, not world class, but definitely can go on his day. But Sevilla are very like reminiscent to me of like in the NBA terms. We're gonna use an analogy as like a a Denver Nuggets or like a Utah Jazz. You know what I mean? Always good, always like have that teamwork. And you can see Sevilla, pattern of play. You know what I mean? Their center backs, even though they can see three goals, still very composed on the ball. They can get it to their midfielders. And that's sort of the Spanish type of play. But ultimately, Sevilla don't have enough to get to it because Luke de Jong is not enough. And Nesri, he's a good striker, but is he really that guy that's going to guarantee you the goals? And that's where Dortmund have. Dortmund has Holland, arguably the best striker with Lewandowski right now in the world. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So Holland right now, he's going to have to carry Dortmund in these games going up because that's his team right now. And as Ben and you said, at Ben and Baz, you said, this is all they have to play for. Bundesliga, they're in the sixth position right now. Yeah. So similar to like what Liverpool have, Liverpool, they're, they're done right now in the Premier League, but you, they have to play for the Champions League. And Dortmund, they have to play for the Champions League. And if they want to retain any of their players, maybe a deep Champions League run, maybe lure away Sancho from United, maybe lure away a Holland from a big Madrid move, they got to play together now. And maybe that's they're coming together this season. That's just my take. It's it's yeah, it's true. Um, they, it's going to be difficult because Sevilla are are a very good team. They're very well coached. Lopetegu is a very good manager. 
He, he has that team playing a very, like you said, Mark, classic Spanish brand of football where they it's silky smooth, lots of tiki-taka, and this team has a lot of good weapons. I mean, they like Jesus Navas, how old is he? And he's playing great. And like you said, Suso scored a goal. De Jong had an abs- a great goal today too. I don't think this, like, like Baz was saying earlier, this is, it's up for grabs, this one. doesn't matter if they, if they conceded three away goals because they can go into Dortmund and they can score three more. That's the way this tie could easily work. It's, it's the issue of stopping Holland, stopping Royce, stopping Sancho, guys like that. And for me, I, I don't know who I'm taking yet, but it's going to be definitely entertaining, and I'm going to keep my eyes on that second leg. Um, moving on, PSG absolutely obliterate Barcelona 4-1 to one in Barcelona, scoring four away goals, killing Mbappe with the hat trick. What are we thinking about this? phenomenal performance mark i'm letting you take this one first okay i well the main thing that i took away from the performance you know i'm a i'm an italian so i'm obviously gonna have a, a bit of a bias and mbappe wasn't a great player but psg representing italy to its its finest moise Keane with the goal you know a little bit of terrible marking on the barcelona play but the main star of the show i saw was marco is it Marco Verratti? Marco yeah, Verratti. Marco. He is a gem. Like, and I am so cheesed that this guy has never gone. I, I love that he's stayed in Paris this long. But you could just see from minute one, this guy was dominating Barcelona. And he was dominating Frankie de Jong. De Jong didn't know what was going on. All right? But majority of the game, this guy was lost. Verratti popping passes, putting in those crucial defensive tackles. That flick to Mbappe on the first goal—that is what that—that's what you do on FIFA, bro. Like yeah. this guy did it in real life in a Champions League knockout, knockout against, against Barcelona. Against too. Barcelona. Well, I mean Barcelona now. Right? Yeah, like. and exactly, and that's the one thing I want to bring up here. Barcelona, despite the big dub for like PSG, Barcelona is nowhere near the caliber that they once were. And Messi trying to do his best, but at the end of the day, Messi—we've seen this before, and Ben knows. He's not the type of guy to carry a team, you know what I mean? And he he's isn't. not the type of guy to to lead the lead the team and be like, oh, we got to orchestrate a 4-1 comeback, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Once Mbappe skinned Langley for that last – it was already done, you know what I mean? It I, was already done. I feel like it was already done as soon as they, they, they tied the game. I feel that – that well, I want to touch upon PSG's performance first before I get to the negatives, but killing Mbappe, Wow. What just what a performance scoring all types of goals, scoring a beautiful dribble in the box goal, scoring a, a stop and shoot screamer like these. He is if people ever doubted him and said, oh, he's not. He doesn't perform in the Champions League. He, he's only scoring goals in Liga. You know what? Just shut up. This guy is the real deal. And you know what? Very well. After Holland's performance today and Mbappe's yesterday, once Messi and Ronaldo call it call it a career, that's the next debate is Holland and Mbappe, two ridiculous players. But Mbappe was, they couldn't handle him. He was too fast. He was too quick. He was too strong, too powerful. Just the Langlet and, and PK, they couldn't handle it. Jordi Alba couldn't handle it. Serginho Desk got burned time and time again. Barca were completely underprepared for this game. And to go on to Marco Verratti, what a performance from him. I mean, one assist, 90% pass accuracy, six take-ons attempted, five take-ons successful. Um, 60, I think it's 67 or 68 passes completed. Insane. Insanity to dominate a midfield like that. 
And especially when it's against one of the best midfield prospects in the world in Frankie de Jong. But going to the negatives now, Barcelona. And I've said this a thousand times. I'm pretty sure I've said it with you guys on the podcast. How many times are we going to see Messi after they concede just disappear? How many times? And I, and come at my head. I know Ronaldo played like he played like terrible today. I understand that. But how many times is Messi just not going to do anything? And the whole Barcelona team, for that matter, they scored the penalty. They were excited. Five minutes later, they're con- they're conceding against Mbappe, and that's one one. And as soon as it was one one, they've already given up. They already said, you know what? Whatever this game, whatever. Who cares? Because and I don't understand because it's one one. There's still a game to be played. You still have chances. You still have Griezmann, Dembele, Messi, De Jong, Pjanic is on the bench. You have these guys, Ricky Puig. You have, uh, who's the guy? Pedri. You have all these guys. You can score goals. You're not out of it yet. You're on paper. You're matched up with PSG. And they just gave up after the goal. They completely gave up. And Langlet, why is PK starting? Why is Langlet starting? I don't understand because they were getting burned. And for and on and I think you're forgetting a big thing here, Ben. The complete... What? Ghost job of Antoine Griezmann. I'm not done yet, Mark. I'm not done my rant yet. I'm not done. Griezmann actually, Griezmann had two opportunities and he missed them. So whatever. Griezmann, big signing, big money guy, 126 million out the door, waste of money. And in terms of Messi, like, if I, I just, I can't take it anymore because yeah, there was a remontada way back when it was four nothing, but those were home goals. And then, it wasn't all messy in that game. You had Neymar, Suarez, and yourself, and a prime Rakitic, and a good, a younger Busquets, and a younger PK. That's not going to happen again. But Messi, as soon as he scored the penalty, five minutes after that, when PSG scored, he was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be found. He was playing deep, deep in the offensive half and facilitating like he usually does. I think he started out pretty well. I think Barcelona as a whole started out pretty well. But as soon as they conceded that first goal, they were gone and they given up and that's the mentality of the club. And you can bet, you can bet your bottom dollar that Lena Messi is going to look at this current situation and say, you know what? This isn't for me. This isn't for me. I'm going because he's got a lot. There are suitors out there that'll take Lena Messi, no matter what, if he's 34, 35, one of them being he going next year, one of them, where's he going next year? I'm saying man city. Yeah. I'm going to, it doesn't yeah, matter. Honestly, at this, at this point, it doesn't matter if he, it, where he goes, but he's going to leave. What is so appealing about staying at Barcelona? You're out of the Champions League. You're you're losing or not sorry, I'm the Champions League, but you you're at a 4-1 deficit in the Champions League with four away goals scored against you. In the Copa del Rey, you're down 2-0 to Sevilla. In La Liga, you're five points behind Atletico Madrid, and Atletico have two games in hand. They are going to go trophyless this season. They're not going to win squat. What is appealing about staying at Barcelona? On paper, they look fantastic. Frankie de Jong, Antoine Griezmann, you know, Messi. Oh my God, a dream team. And when you put them on the field, they play like idiots. So I know something that can keep them there though. What's going to keep them there? The money? They don't have any money. Yeah, they're in debt. Say, you see, you see, you see in, them release that contract? They're, they're <laughs> contract. They're in tremendous depth. That contract is up this year. They are in so, they're in so much depth, Baz, that they won't. No, I know, I know. That listen to the situation. So they, when they paid for Philip Coutinho, they still owe money to this day. And if they play him for one more game as a total of however many games this season, they have to pay Liverpool. It's either 5 million or 7 million euros. And they won't, they can't do it. They publicly said, we're not going to play Coutinho to save the 7 million euros. How cheap, 
How much money are you in debt that you can't play him for financial reasons? How ridiculous is that? Apparently, yeah. And it's just so, I mean, look at the way that this Barcelona, let's assume that they do lose out in every single competition they're competing in. Messi's gone. Without Messi? I think regardless, even if they win, yeah. man, even if they somehow eke a trophy out, I still think he's gone. He wanted to leave this year. He, he stayed this year because he had to. Bartomeu might be out now, but I, I still think that um, that he's going to go. And I do agree with you that Man City's his place to go because of Pep Guardiola. Like yeah. I think at that point when he's looking for a new place to go, he's going to look at a manager. And I, Messi's always praised Pep. Pep's obviously always praised Messi. And honestly, I think that he played some of his best football with Pep. So 100% he did. He if, he, if he wants to go anywhere, I think Man City would be the best place for him. To it's, go. The be, it's the best spot. But like, even, so assuming he does leave, where does Barcelona stand? Like we're looking at, no offense, Mark, at all, but this is like, they'll have the same sort of drop-off that Milan had back in 2014. I would, say, I would, I would argue even worse. Worse, yeah. I would yeah, say worse as well. Worse, I, would I would say worse. The Milan drop-off became from like, players leaving and the old and then we had nobody to get so we just got yeah. but there's like but, sour energy bitter energy in the exactly. barcelona camp at right least now. at least milan even though we were shit we still had like at least a bit of a spirit about us barcelona yeah. with kuman kuman might as well be the gym pe teacher on the sideline that guy is clueless man that guy doesn't know what he's doing bro. what is he going is, on he's an idiot his tactics are from 1993 he didn't update them since he he was playing with the netherlands man yeah, Jeez. yeah. I, 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 change? I don't know and you know what and for, for my for my opinion no remontada this year not even close there's there's not a chance you think there's any is there anybody in this world this is a question i'm going to ask I'm going to put it out in the universe is there is there anybody in the world that thinks that barcelona are going to score four away goals in psg in paris and shut out psg no no nobody said anything because it's not going to happen no remontada Barcelona will be knocked out, and if they if they don't be careful, it could be like eight two on aggregate again. <laughs> it could be seven one on aggregate. PSG, I fully expect with Neymar back, might I mention, with Di Maria potentially back, may I say, they could go in and win that game three four nil again. It could happen. Very possible. Moving on to the last game we haven't covered yet: Liverpool versus RB Leipzig. Liverpool win. In neutral ground, I think it was in Hungary, but it was RB Leipzig's home yep. game. They win that one 2-0 to nil with Mane and Salah scoring. What do we have on this one? Oh, that first Salah goal, that was a gift. They may as well have put that in the box. Both bow tied it. Planted it right there for him. He passed that ball. And, like, it's a quick player like Salah. You know, the second he gets it like that, he's gone. And, yeah, and on net like that, you expect them to finish. Same thing for Mane. Yep. Uh, I thought Liverpool played a good game. And like Mark said earlier, the Champions League is really all they have left. So kudos to them. You know, I think that Klopp knows that. And I think that he is going to push the Champions League and just that's what he's going to focus on from here on out. Uh, that being said, I don't see a way back into this tie for Leipzig personally. I think that, um, yeah, I think that the next one, Allison, did you see how well he played? That, that's what it comes down to for me. He made some incredible yeah. saves, I well, thought, don't, during that don't, game. So don't forget. I, don't yes, he made that some week, glaring mistakes in the yeah, Premier League. Yes, yeah, be careful but with that. so far, knock on wood here, knock on wood in the Champions League, he's been showing <laughs> out pretty well. Yeah. So I think you get a, a repeat of that performance from Allison. I don't think anybody on Leipzig's beating him. Okay. And then I think Leipzig, and at this point, Liverpool don't even need to score, right? They're up two 0 They have their aggregate goals. They don't, but they will. That's their game. They, they will, yeah. But what I'm saying is, at this point, as long as Allison keeps up how he's playing, then I don't see Leipzig any way back into this tie because I don't see them getting past him. Hmm. And 
And the main problem I'll bring up, Baz, as to why Leipzig can't get back into the tie is a problem I find when I watch Leipzig is that a guy like Yusuf Poulsen, they used to have Timo Werner, but now they don't even have a, a striker of real note. Sabitzer, okay. He's a midfielder, though. He's a more of a yeah, midfielder, but like, yeah. they play in false nine sometimes. They, play, they don't really have that go-to guy that can get you the goals. And that's exactly where Liverpool struggle. You know what I mean? Liverpool have Henderson at the back, and they have Kabak. All right? And these guys, Kabak, this guy, he's a Turkish fraud. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> what? I, I, I do what? Not like, what I the hell is like a Turkish makeup, fraud, Mark? What? I don't what like do you the mean? guy. His, he, sure, he, he, he can play a good pass, and he looks physically okay, but he just is not a guy that's going to lead your team. And you can just see the glaring <laughs> drop-off from Van Dyke. Best center back in the world at the moment. To, to January to, signing Kabak. Yeah, to go with a Kabak at the back. Jeez, man. Like, I, I, oh, I understand. Man. And also, I want to say, Liverpool fans, get off of Thiago. Thiago's not the reason you're losing. You're losing <laughs> for so many other reasons. You played a freaking – you got Ben Davies from Preston North End. And you want to put him on the bench in the championship. Mark is coming for the Reds fans' <laughs> ads right and, now. And Liverpool, you won one – Premier League. It took you 30 years. I love that. And- Keep going on that one. I love that. No, Keep on going. You know, Premier League in the past 30 years. Okay, brothers. You beat us, okay, in Istanbul, but they call it a miracle for a reason. You know why? Because it was never going to happen again. Play that game 99 more times. That never happens. You got a miracle. We'll give that to you. And right now, you guys are in a shambles. You guys do not have a chance in the Premier League. And you got to wake yourselves up if you think Henderson at the back is going to get you anything in the Champions League. So maybe go sleep with your little trophy from last year <laughs> and wait another 30 years before wow. you Marco, yeah. man. Marco. Marco um, had some things to get off his chest. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. Um, well, I'm going to keep it civilized, I guess. But I love, what, <laughs> I, love, I love everything you said there. I'm a huge believer in that Liverpool fans do blame Thiago. And they are a little bit... Too excited about one Prem in the last 30 years. But regardless of that, Liverpool definitely defied expectations. I think a lot of people had Leipzig winning this one for good reason. Leipzig are absolutely on fire this season and Liverpool are not. And for the simple reason that they're missing every single centre back that they have. Other than this, other than their January signings. Um, and I'm willing to say, yeah, Allison, you're right. Baz played excellent. Or, um, uh, yeah, Allison played excellent. Um, but Leipzig just beat themselves. You know, you can't expect to give two blaring mistakes in open chances like that to Salon Mane and get away with it. And that's what happens. That's what happens. When you give Mane a breakaway, he's going to score. When you give Salah room with room to run and then to shoot, he's going to score. So this is a hurdle for Leipzig to get over. And contrary to your belief, I, I, think, the, I think they can do it. Because if, if, any, if Van Dyke was back, forget about it. Forget about it. It's over. But he's not. And like Mark was saying, Kabak is in there. I don't know about the Turkish fraud point, but I will say he's not the most premier center back in the Champions League right now. So to that note, if Leipzig play their game and they can't make a single mistake like that again, I could see them maybe not doing a three to nil comeback, but I could see the game being something along the lines of four to two, three to one, because Liverpool can concede goals. They do concede goals as of late. And Anfield is no longer a fortress, ladies and gentlemen. Anfield is a is an open house. You can go and view anything you want. You can take food from the pantry. You can op- open up the fridge, pop a beer, call it a night. You can sleep over. It's not a fortress. It's an open house. 
and that you are willing to go walk around in there. And Leipzig, out of any team that play a very similar style to Liverpool, they can walk in there and score three goals. I can see that, fully see that. All I'm going to say, Benji, is I think you said it perfectly when you said Leipzig has to have a perfect game. Yep. They have to have no mistakes they in do. order to beat I, Liverpool. I, I could see that, and, though. And, yeah, yeah, I know. But, so that's, but that's what I'm saying. I don't see that happening. True. I do not see them making zero mistakes throughout an entire game. I think True. it's bound to happen. And like Mark said, to his point, Yusuf Poulsen, that's their striker right now. Like, yep. think about that. They replaced Timo Werner, who's supposedly one of the most, you know, the hottest prospects. He's maybe not playing as good as he should at Chelsea right now, but he was very coveted going there. And you're going to replace him with Yusuf Poulsen. Right? Okay, but and Liverpool, you can make the argument for Liverpool. You don't have Van Dijk. You're going to play Kabak or Ben Davies. Yeah. It's the same yeah. thing. And they're on opposing ends. So I guess they cancel but each other out, right? That being said, even with Liverpool's poor defense, they were able to shut out Leipzig, whereas yeah. Leipzig's poor offense wasn't able to produce. Sure. So right now, Liverpool's in the driver's seat because their shitty part of their team is playing better than Leipzig's shitty parts playing, if yeah. that makes sense. No, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. And um, I just I I do agree with you that Leipzig could come back, but I just don't see them turning enough around and playing the perfect game the next leg. I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, and and I, I the reason I think that Leipzig I I could actually see it happening uh, is because I'm basing this off of precedent of Liverpool's games this season, like losing to Burnley, okay. like like the draws and a lot and not scoring goals because not too long ago, a few games ago, they were on a what was it a, a five game streak where they had no wins and they they didn't score a goal. The front three didn't score yeah, a goal in the EPL, which was, it was, it was ridiculous. Like 800 minutes, no? It 800 was 800 minutes. minutes. And they were, yeah. they're also losing at home. So I think based off of that precedent that they can lose at home, they have done it a couple times in a row now. They can lose at home. They sometimes fail to score despite the quality of that front three. And they are susceptible to teams that are less than them. And in that sense, Liverpool are a better team than Leipzig. But that plays in Leipzig's favor because Liverpool have been susceptible to lower end teams in the EPL this year. That's why I can see it. Will it happen? That's another question. But the UCL, it's full of magic. And there, there are a couple comebacks every round of 16. And I'm praying to God that one of them is Juventus, for God's yeah. sake. But it could be Liverpool. Leipzig is a fantastic team and, and they are missing Timo Werner. And how good would this team look with Werner on it? Look, They look amazing. Because Werner yeah. would be probably scoring, you know, 22 goals this season. That's the tally he'd be at. Unfortunately, he's had a terrible time at Chelsea. But if they did have Timo Werner, this would be locked up, you know, mild, ages ago. would have locked up yesterday. But it didn't. So I, I do see Leipzig coming back. It's a little bit of a hot take. But who knows at this point? The Champions League is so unpredictable. Um, gentlemen, we've covered the four games. We've had a few laughs. Mark's gone on a little bit of a rant. Before I end this off, Mark, is there anything else you want to say about Liverpool? Anything else on your mind? <laughs> well, I think the main thing I want to tell to Liverpool fans is this. I watched your documentary. It's called Anfield BBC Magic. And I appreciate what you guys are doing over there at Anfield. You know what I mean? You had Stevie G. You had, uh, what is his name? Uh, Julier. You had Rafa Benitez. You had Carragher, all these guys. He's a fraud of a coach, by the way, Rafa Benitez. 100% fraud. But at the end of the day, Liverpool, you guys are the, the old kings of England. And even right now, you guys can barely hang on to, to Klopp right now. Klopp is hanging by a thread. You have Salah, Mane, Firmino, and those guys are looking to go elsewhere. So if I'm Liverpool fans, I'll tell you this bedtime story. Enjoy everything while you can. Because who knows how long you're going to have to wait for another one. That's wow. what I'm... Oh, 
cool. deep words from Mark there. I, I, I yeah, it, I get the, I get this. It's because Mark has experience as a Milan. And for some Milan, let's go. <laughs> I want to see Milan. Top of the top of the top of the table. Uh, top of the table, I see Milan. Well, gentlemen, thank I'm you. Not top of the table for long. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you are what eight point eight points behind Inter. Well, actually, no. Inter are top of the table. I take my words back. Yeah, Inter. One are point top. ahead of me. We have a game against them, so they you do. Never know. All right. Thank you very much, guys, for coming on today. That was an excellent talk. We will see you guys next week for yet another UCL recap podcast because we still have Bayern versus Lazio and much more. Thank you for listening. Follow us at Footy Fix Pod on Instagram, and we'll see you next week.